everyone. This is Barbara welcoming you back to Six Degrees of John Keel. First off, thank you for being patient with us through all of our drama. And secondly, I really want to talk with you a little bit about this episode before you listen to it. This is the first abduction story I've recorded, and I need to warn you that we discuss adult topics in this episode. Don't listen with your kids or in front of your kids until you've heard it and decided that they can listen to it. There's violence, sexuality, and descriptions of disturbing situations in this episode. The story is raw, and I did not edit it because it would have been untrue to John's experience to do so. Secondly, we have a trigger warning. Some of the sexual experiences in this episode are non-consensual. So if this upsets you, please skip this episode. Finally, we have a situation where the episode cuts off at the very end. We recorded everything and right about when we were going to say goodbye to each other and thank you that last 10 minutes, it pretty much stopped recording and didn't show that it stopped recording. There's just no sound. So John and I never say goodbye to each other. I mean, we said goodbye, but you don't get to hear it. Um, And so I just want to let you know that. And then at the end, there's going to be another little note for me explaining how you can get in contact with John later. All this said, I think this is a very powerful testimony from John and is well worth listening to and pondering. Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Tonight I'm welcoming a listener. He has some stories for us. I've, I've read a few of them. We've been emailing back and forth for a, a, a long time now. Um, his name is John Frum. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm very excited to to ha- finally talk to you in person, sort of, you know, <laughs> in person over the internet. Um, you can start however you like. Um, you can give as little or as much information as you want. So okay, just um, jump in where you want to. I guess I could start by saying. Uh, I don't talk about this stuff much, you know, out loud. I mean, besides my wife and a couple friends I've told some stories to. But I think about it a lot, you know. It's Yeah. And uh, so when you finally say things out loud, sometimes you know how ridiculous they sound. And I might go through a little bit of that tonight. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with that. And... I think anybody who has told their story for the first time realizes eventually that, oh, God, I sound so... But you know what? No judgment here. I know you're not crazy, or we're both crazy, and everybody who listens to us is crazy. So that's okay then. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so start at the beginning. I guess I'd have to say... Before I was a year old, I died. Um, my mom tells a story that I died from bronchitis and asthma when I was like mm. 10, 10 months old, and I, I quit breathing for 15 minutes. 
and the doctors put me in a bucket of ice until they could revive me. And I have a sinking suspicion that that might be part of where my strange life comes from. You know, mm -hmm. that, that crossing over. Uh, one of the first things that happens, and I probably wouldn't even add this if I haven't heard this so many times from other people, and that's the disappearing act when I was two years old. Oh. My, mom, my mom had laid down to sleep. She worked nights. And she said she put a screwdriver in the door, in the top of the door, so I couldn't open it. And we were on the second floor. And she woke up, and I was gone. Oh, God. And then that screwdriver's still in the door. Oh. And said the balcony door was open that I had gone out the balcony and somehow disappeared. Oh, no. And she called uh, my aunt who lived like down the street and then the police. And they looked for me for like an hour and couldn't find me nowhere until one of the cops finally found me right across the street playing in a sprinkler oh, with a dirty God. with a dirty diaper. You know, oh, my God. But, you know, I, I've heard that from so many other people, too. It's one of those things you hear from, you know, that weird disappearing act at a very young age. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Uh, after that. Would be uh, what I call my first dream. And it's the first dream I remember. And it was a past life dream. And I have no idea how old I was, three, four years old. And in this dream, I'm walking down the street. And I'm about as tall as a two-year-old, you know. And people, everybody's dressed like back in the 1910s and 20s. I mean, I remember everybody was wearing a hat. Yeah. And... and uh I'm walking That's down a the, dead giveaway. I'm walking down the sidewalk and these two men stop in front of me and they're wearing uh top hats and canes look like they came from you know like the almost like men in black from 1910 or something. And one of them bends down and kind of ruffles the top of my head and he goes, "Are you lost?" And they both stand up straight and start laughing. And I walk around them and I keep walking. And then there's like more and more people on the street. It gets busier and busier to where people are like almost stumbling over me. So I look over and there's two parked cars and I don't see anybody over there. So I walk between the two parked cars out in the street and I look mm. up. And when I look up, I see an old flatbed truck, the kind with the metal band around the wheel and wooden spokes and that slab of rubber on the metal whap, mm -hmm. right in my face, just like that. It's lights up. Oh my God. And that's the first dream I remember. I can't tell you where I lived at that time, you know, or any other dreams I had who lived in our house, but I remember that dream, man. And I can never help. When I look back now, that disappearing act I had, and that I feel is connected somehow. Mm -hmm. and I don't, 
I don't know how, but it yeah. feels like that was a disappearing act, you know, that 60 years prior. <laughs> wow. That is, and, and as a mom, the, the story about your mom figuring out that you went out the balcony is just like, oh, Jesus, oh, my God, no, 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 no. <laughs> but at least you're here talking to me, so I know it, it turned out well until, you know, the dream part. <laughs> and uh -huh. then I'm like, oh, no. So after that, and this one, this one's not really weird. It's just kind of let you know, you know, who I am, how I think, but, uh, going to church as a kid, you know, I didn't, I didn't come from a very religious family or nothing, but they allowed me to do whatever I wanted, you know, literally, and go to Sunday school with your friends. And, and when we went from, they pull you out of Sunday school, start bringing you into the big church, you know, I got really uncomfortable you know, with what they were saying. And uh, something that was like a voice. It told me, we're not supposed to know. They were talking about the afterlife. You know, what happens to us when we die? And I got really uncomfortable sitting there, you know, and the preacher's talking. And I just, that kept ringing through my head. And I, I must have been six years old, seven years old. And I was just, we're not supposed to know that, you know, what he's saying isn't right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I, of course, I quit going to church. It just it never <laughs> felt right to me, you know, after that. Yeah. Um, okay, after that, I'd say eight, nine years old. <laughs> I was staying at my grandparents' house, and I'd sleep in the living room on the couch, and there was a shadow kind of filled the corner of the entryway into the room. That blackness kind of inky filled the whole corner. And I was watching it laying there and then it would like pour across the room into the other corner, you know, hmm. by the, where my feet were pointing towards that corner, it would pour like liquid hmm. into the other corner. And then it would start moving towards me and I would get scared and kind of put my head under the blanket and I'd feel like a pressure on my head, like something pushing down. And this went on for like two nights and two or three nights. And I remember the second or third time this happened, I I'd started talking to it and it was right when it would start moving towards me. It was the same thing each night, build up in the corner, pour into the other one, start moving towards me. And I started talking to it and it stopped and backed up back into that corner. And I would sit there and just talk like it was my friend. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the next morning after I talked to it that my grandma was sitting there and she's talking to me and she goes, Last night, death came for me. And she goes, you want to know how I know? Because I could smell it. She goes, it was in my room, and I could smell death. And I was like, well, what did you do? And she goes, 
I told it to get the fuck out of my house. I'm not ready to go yet. And it left. <laughs> and that that stopped happening. That next night, yeah. that shadow wasn't there. And that's something that yeah. years later, that would come in handy, that little bit of advice, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And about this time, you know, it's back in the 70s, you know, early 80s. We lived by the woods, had the woods in my backyard. And I used to like to go with my friends out there and go adventure. You walk up the creeks or way out into the mountains. Well, then there came times when my friends weren't around. And I started going out by myself. And I was pretty young, you know, eight, nine years old. And I'd go for miles out in the middle of nowhere. And I don't want to say where, but these are pretty notorious woods for disappearances of bad things happening to people. You know, it's not places you'd go. But I felt drawn big time to go out there alone. And now this is it's kind of my owl story, but it's it's nothing paranormal, I don't think. But this is my owl story. It's I remember sitting down on this log, I could hear three owls. And they were hooting and you know, this one would hoot, then that one would hoot, and then this one over here would hoot. And I, at the time I could do a pretty good owl call. And I jumped in, you know, when it when it came around near me, I jumped in the middle and they all stopped. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, and I hear one owl fly up close and land up in a tree up above me, you know, checking me out, wanting to know who was hooting. And then he hoots, the other one hoots, and the other one hoots, and I hoot. They all get quiet again. And he flies back to his original tree. Then all four of us start going in a circle hooting. They let me join in, you know, but it was, it was a connection, Mm -hmm. you know, and and these are the kind of things that drew me out into the woods. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. But I guess these are kind of things that reared up again later in life is why I'm kind of telling them now. Okay. So. I'll jump ahead to when I was 12 and I was going to stay a friend at, uh, stay the night at a friend's house. And we were both 12 years old and he had parents like mine where do whatever the hell we want, you know? So we stayed out till almost midnight and we ended up having to walk back to his house about two miles down a really dark road way out in the woods. And, uh, as soon as we start walking down this road, it was like instant that fear kicks in, you know, and it's mm-hmm. at the time I didn't quite understand it, but it's something I've gotten quite familiar with now, you know, the warning sign there, mm-hmm. but we're thinking it's just cause I'm so young. It's the first time we've ever done anything like this before, but we're walking down that road. And I remember it was like too dark for some reason. It was just, too dark you know you can barely see the road you know the trees 
and I remember the sound of my footsteps even almost sounded muffled, you know, like mm. they were ec- they were echoing back like too close. And uh, on her left was a hill going up, and on her right was a hill going down, down to a stream that was about, I'd say about 50 feet out into the woods. It was a stream, and we're kind of walking upstream. And by that stream, we hear sticks break, a real loud snap, like a big, mm. big branch breaking. And we're like walking, I'm like, did you hear that? You know, it's like somebody broke, stepping on something down there. And we keep walking, and uh, a couple minutes later, it happens again. I mean, the same exact snapping of a branch. Except, I'm, I'm not even sure if a person could make that loud of a snap by stepping on a twig or nothing. I mean, this is sounding like big branch being broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it happens a third time. And the farther we walk up the road, the closer that stream is getting to the road, you know, until there's like a little bridge where it goes underneath. And after the third one, you know, we'd stopped, you know, we're getting kind of freaked out. You know, it's, it's too dark. It's getting too weird. So we're walking. And then up on the left, you can see like a little V where there's a, where there's a, a, little draw that goes up the side and it's dark it's black you know it, it's just there's something about that spot where we got to cross it you know and I, I know he's looking at it and i can feel it and right when we're passing it both of us look over at the same time and filling that whole little v is a giant deer head and i'm mm. talking like from the back of its head to the tip of its nose is about six feet. And its, oh antler, its antlers go up into the trees and become the branches. Oh, and, and both of us instantly take off running. I mean, we didn't even hesitate. Both of us looked, saw it, and we take off running. We run about 20 feet and kind of look behind us, and it's gone. And we stop and we look. And I was like, did you see that? And he goes, it was a giant deer. You know, but it was gone. It was just black again. And the way that draw went up, there, there could have been no body to a giant deer that big. It wouldn't have fit. It was just the head and the neck going back up in there. And it was perfectly flat, like above us. Like I'd say the tip of its nose was about five feet from the side of us and, and it was perfectly flat. Like it was looking over the road like that. And it was just, jeez. Oh, so he said, you know, we both agreed. We'd just seen that, but it was gone. And we're like, what the hell is going on here? So we start walking again, but really fast. We're just do, 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 like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And not 30 seconds later, another stick breaks. This time the stream is only like 10 feet away from the road and that stick breaks right next to us. Snap. And this time we both took off and we ran the last mile, just flat out hauled ass. And I remember Man. we used to stay up almost all night when we'd stay the night at each other's houses. We walked into his house and I remember he threw a pillow at me and slammed his bedroom door shut. 
and left me in the living room to sleep. And we never talked about what happened that night ever again. It just oh, never man. came up. It was. Oh, man. And these are all kind of things that it really wasn't till later in life, you know, that things happen, that you finally look back on life. And these things all of a sudden take on meaning, you know, mm -hmm. that they weren't just, you know, I never even thought about them in whole, at a, as a whole, all these things. But, you know, they, it doesn't stop there. <clears throat> okay, so I get into high school. I was thinking about freshmen in high school. And I don't remember where I read it. I think it was a book or some magazine, weird magazine or something. But they were talking about lucid dreaming and lucid dreams. And it had instructions on how to, you know, have lucid dreams. And that is, was, I had the one that stare at your hand before you fall asleep when you're laying in bed. Just stare at your hand and say, when I see my hand, I'll know I'm dreaming. When I see my hand in my sleep, I'll know I'm dreaming. And I did that every night. And it took less than a week. And I became lucid finally. And dumb stuff, you know, like being in a grocery store and wanting a candy bar, but afraid you're going to get caught. And then, oh, I'm dreaming. I'm looking at the candy bar in my hand, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's how it starts. And it goes on to other things, but, you know, I'm dreaming. I can do whatever I want. This is mine, you know. So, yeah, lucid dreaming began. Um. And I mentioned that because some things that happened later, it almost feels like lucid dreaming is was the attracted things to you. You know what I mean? Um, so skip ahead a couple of years, and I guess towards the end of high school, see about senior in high school, me and some friends decided to hike over this hill to go to the river. There's a spot in the river, this roller dam there. has a nice beach, you know, middle of summer, go swimming. And we're hiking up over this hill, and uh, it's got a big flat top on it. You walk across the top. When it drops down the other side, it's pretty, pretty darn steep. Big boulders, and, I mean, there's some pretty good cliffs there. And I tell one of my buddies, I whisper in his ear, I said, I'm going to go up here. And I'm going to pretend I fall off and scare these other two. You know, I was kind of a jerk, you know. But I do. I go up there and I sit on the edge. And it's only about an eight-foot drop. But from where they're standing, it could have been a 50-foot. It could have been 20. And uh, I pretend to fall off. You know, and I freak them out, you know. <laughs> and uh, they finally get to where I'm at and they're cussing me out. You know, <laughs> they're pretty pissed off that I did that to them. And we're sitting there, and I'm kind of laughing, and we're all sitting there on, on this edge. And we're looking down, and it's probably about 50, 60 feet down to the bottom. And then about 100 feet of dirt to where the trees are by the river. And we're sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, it's like the shadow breaks away from the trees. It starts coming across that dirt towards us. And it's a blob of a shadow about probably about two feet, three feet across, big round 
and I instantly look up to see almost like, is there a plane or something over in its shadow on the ground from something, but there was nothing. And it comes, you know, and we start standing up. We're like, what the hell is that? We're all seeing it. And it gets to the bottom of the cliff and it starts coming up towards us. And we're all like, let's get out of here. So we run like to the 20 feet to the top where it gets flat again. And we haul ass across that, you know, running away from it. And by the time we get across the flat spot before we drop back down, we all kind of stop and look back. And it comes up over that edge. And this time it comes up and it's like in a head and shoulders, you know, and it's like five, six feet tall. And you can see the head, the shoulders, and it comes like raises up like that and comes right towards us. And we haul ass down the hill. We take off, and it's quite a lot further down this side of the hill, about 100 feet, but it's a lot smoother. You know, so we're running full speed down this hill. We get down to the bottom, and we look back up, and you can see it come up to the edge and come down behind us. It's in human shape, you know, but it's a shadow, and it's coming down behind us. So we finish the bottom of the hill, cross this little field. We jump the fence. And we had a friend there that lived right across the street. We ran over to his door and banged on the door. He lets us in, and we, we all come into the living room, and we're out of breath. We're huffing and puffing, you know, like, oh, my God, we're peeking out the windows. Did it follow us over the fence? And, and all of a sudden, uh, this kid's parents walk in the room. I remember his mom still had the dish towel in her hand, and she kind of leans up against the doorway, and she's listening to us as we're explaining to our friend what just happened. And she goes, you know, we hear that story about every couple of years here. And it's been happening for as long as we've lived here, like 20 years. Some kids in the oh neighborhood say almost the same exact story, that something chases them away from the roller dam. Now, that roller dam was just super dangerous. About every two years, some kid will drown there. You know, and it's just bad news. You know, you People tell you don't swim at the roller dam because, you know, people die there. And it's almost like when I pretended to fall and I got those guys' emotions going, they're, they're freaking out. They just thought I died, you know, and that attracted whatever it is to chase us away. You know, or maybe something bad was going to happen if we went down there, you know? Yeah. And. Yeah. So after that, went on a hike with a couple friends at night. We had this spot we used to like to go to. And it was a weird spot. But we'd gone down. It was about 11 o'clock at night. We had a six pack of beer and. We're down there leaning on this rock and our destination was, we were almost there, but we just decided to stop by the rock because it was kind of a cool spot to hang out. And we're all just chatting just talking and talking. And all of a sudden, boom, it was just like getting like a blanket of fear laid over us. And I was like, do you feel that? And both of them were wide eyed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I was like, let's get the hell out of here. And they're like, yeah. And we booked it out of there. Now, nothing else happened that night there, but again, it's that same. And these are all different places. 
you know, different mm -hmm. places around the city. So after that, I was hanging out. This was actually almost in the same spot as where we saw that shadow that chased us away from the river, almost the same spot. And I was hanging out with a friend of mine. And it was nighttime, same deal. We had a six, no, we had a 12 pack of beer. We were halfway up that hill, sitting on a boulder, just talking about, you know, this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden I said, wouldn't that be cool if we saw a UFO or something? <laughs> and right when I said that, it was this meteor goes from right to left, perfectly flat, perfectly, I mean, from right to left. And it's one of those bright green spinning, shooting sparks off of it, like one of those little flower fireworks, you know, mm -hmm. just bzzz, right in front of us. You know, no big deal, just a coincidence, right? Well, about a month later, me and that same friend at a different party on the other side of town were sitting there, and uh, I said the same thing to him. I said, wouldn't that be cool if we seen a UFO or something? And the second I said that, there's another meteor, but this one's coming down. And now where we were looking, there's these two mountains, and it's like a big V. In between the two mountains, there's a river, and like a canyon and a river. Well, this meteor either changed directions twice or bounced down the side of that mountain. And it, you know... You, same thing. I called it when I summoned meteors twice, but it was mm -hmm. just coincidentally the same friend. I said the same thing. The same thing happens twice. And uh, he told me, he's all, don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have later on said that in front of other people and it didn't work, but I guess it just had to be him. <laughs> So then I started, I started seeing those shadows again, but it was almost like depending on where I was, like a friend of mine's trailer he lived in, you'd see it when you're sitting in the living room, go out the bathroom, cross the hallway and out the back door, shadow. And I jerk my head up like that. And my buddy would be sitting there. He goes, you seen it, didn't you? You know, the shadows, you know, and that became really normal. Then that same person, he moved into a different trailer in a mobile home park. And I went and stayed the night at his house, sleeping on the couch. And I have the worst nightmare like I had since I was a child. Just brutal something, trying to get in that back door and come up the hallway, you know, trying to get in and come up and then I'd, it would go back out and really, really scary dream. I wake up. I'm like, holy crap, man. I wake up and my buddy and his brother are sitting there on the other couch looking at me smiling. They're all, so what'd you dream about? And I told them what I dreamed about. And they said, everybody that stays in this house has the worst nightmare they've had in years. And they almost described the same thing that something's trying to get in get at them mm -hmm. okay so that buddy of mine that i'd said wouldn't that be cool if you seen a ufo or something 
I was sleeping on his living room floor one night. And I know I was asleep. But I opened my eyes and I'm going through the ceiling. And I go up, I don't know, 500 feet, 1,000, I don't know, straight up and stop. I'm looking down at the city lights, you know, looking around and I can like see the cloud next to me and I see those lights and then poof, take off in a direction, It, you know, really fast. And I'm looking down at the lights and I can see less city lights and less city lights until there's barely any lights and then more city lights as we're getting into the next town outside the city and then there's more lights and more lights and then boom i'm down to street level i turn up the street up this driveway through the closed door through the living room up a hallway through a closed bedroom door and boom i come to a stop right there and there's a girl i like and this is a house I've never been in in my life. Still haven't till this day. But she's sitting there with her friend. I can see the room. I can describe it to a T. I remember the hole in the wall. There was like an old 1970s record player at the foot of the bed. She's got a cigarette in her left hand. And she's leaning down, flipping through records. Picking out a record to put on a record player. And I'm, I see all this. And then, woof, back into my body and back to sleep. The next day, I tell her about this. And she kind of freaks out on me. Thinks I was stalking her, looking through this bedroom window. You know? And she told me she even had a feeling somebody was watching her there. And she thought I was outside that window watching. And I was like, no, I don't even know where this house is at. You know, even though I've been there now, kind of, I still couldn't tell you where it was out in this town, you know. It's... So she didn't want anything to do with me. It was kind of a girl I liked. You know, she didn't want anything to do with me after that. So I didn't see her for about four months. And then I ran into her at a party. And I told her again. I said, I had an out-of-body experience, you know. I, I seen, and she goes, she admitted it all. She goes, you know, at first, when I first told her, she didn't admit nothing except she felt like she was being watched. But then she told me the record player, the records, the hole in the wall, everything. You know, she goes, you freaked me out when you said that. Of course, I thought you were looking through the window, you know, and I finally kind of convinced her. Well, we ended up having a one night stand that night. And uh, I think a couple days later, I'd moved to another state, and uh, I'd end up finding out about a year and a half later that, you know, I'd gotten her pregnant that night. So when I had that out-of-body experience, it almost felt like somebody pulling me by the wrist, like, come here, I want to show you something, you know, and I was showing the person, you know, I'm going to have a child with, you know, well, the state I'd moved to, I would say, I can't be absolutely positive, but I'm pretty sure it was about nine months after I had, uh, you know, had my one night stand there. And I was walking from my house across the street to a friend's house. 
and we had a big about an acre front front yard and i'm walking along the fence and i catch something out of the corner of my eye and this is still about four in the afternoon it's pretty you know bright out but i catch a light out of the corner of my eye and i look and i had to double take because there was a big about 10 foot ball of white light and it's coming kind of past me on the left and it's about 40 50 feet up in the air and it passes right over the neighbor's house and it I mean, barely skims the roof of the house about somewhere between like 50 and 80 feet away. Big ball of light. And it passes over the house. And there was a slope up behind the house. And it goes into the woods. And I can see it lighting up the trees as it goes through the trees. And uh, I tear off running to my friend's house across the street. They were having like a little get together at their house and I kind of burst through the front door and I'm like, I just saw a UFO. I just saw a UFO. And everybody just busted up laughing, you know, and they're like, yeah, sure you did. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so that's pretty much how that went. And, uh, <laughs> but that night, that's always frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so that night I have a dream. And in my dream, in quotation marks, I'm walking in that same spot, except it's at night. And I'm walking right next to that fence in the same spot. And I even like realized, like I woke up and I'm like, I'm walking. Why am I out here at night? And I even looked over at that house to see if that UFO was there again or ball of light. And of course it wasn't. And I take about two more steps, and I thought I stepped into water. And I don't know if you've ever swam in the ocean before, but when you're standing chest deep in the water and the wave comes up and it lifts you off your feet, that's what Mm -hmm. it felt like. That pressure on your chest, and it kind of lifts you off your feet and sets you back down, except it didn't, you know, when it should have sat me back down, my feet still weren't touching the ground. And I thought there was like... This is a dream. There's a pond out here for some strange reason. I just stepped in it. And I tried to turn around and actually tried to swim back to shore. (laughs) Except when I turned around and started swimming, I noticed our trailer was down lower. Like I was up above it. And there I could see the trees and the trailer, but where I was was blackness. Like around me was just like a blackness. And then all of a sudden the trailer kind of dropped down and away and everything turned black and then everything turned white, like this real bright white. And then that white kind of fades back a little bit away from me, like, like that. And there's this thing standing in front of me. And at the time I thought it was a robot and I don't know why I thought it was a robot, but I don't even know how to describe it. It was so, it was almost indescribable. It was, imagine if, uh, you know, the Minions movie, those little Minions, Mm -hmm. the yellow Minions, one of those that's white, without the goggles, with two big eyes with like point dots, and then there's this weird green on it. 
and it was like about five feet tall, like a giant pill type shape. Mm -hmm. And it's looking at me. It's kind of leaning back a little bit, looking at me. And I was like, I was standing there and I was kind of looking around. I'm all, you should have seen what I just went through to get here. I don't know why in the hell I said that, <laughs> but <laughs> I, that's what I said. I said, you should have seen what I just went through to get here. And it says back to me, you should have seen what I went through to get here. <laughs> and, when it, and when it said that, I was like looking at it and I'm like, what the hell am I looking at? And I'm, it almost reminded me, the color of it reminded me of those old, like, wind up toys from the 1910s or 20s. The color of it, the way they painted, like, the cars and they had the little seams mm -hmm. of metal on it. It kind of yeah. reminded me, as, like, its colors weren't right, like they were painted on it, or I, I don't know. But as soon as it said that, it's like, like that white came back, but it's like a fog. It's like a lit up fog. Like you're standing in a fog and the fog is getting denser and brighter and everything fades out that white and boom, you know, I wake up the next morning and I'm all, wow, that's, that's a pretty strange dream, you know? And it would be, few years later, some other events that happened that I questioned if that was a dream at all, you know? Um, so skip forward a few years and, uh, I'm about 25, I think. Um, I get this apartment and I remember when I rented the apartment, they told me, uh, Nobody's lived in this apartment for almost a year because the last person to live there was murdered in it. Oh, it does wow. does does that bother you? And I'm like, nah, that don't bother me, <laughs> you know. I'm kind of naive, you know. And uh yeah, so I move into this apartment and I remember there was still blood on the carpet there. And I complained mm. to them about it, and they're they're like, Well, we shampooed it twice, you know. So oh. I'm like, Well, you didn't do a very good job, but Anyway, I'm living there, and, and I meet this girl, and I invite her over, and uh, she she comes in, and, you know, I invited her over, we're going to cook dinner, and she sees a picture of me on the wall, and uh, she goes, who is that? And I said, that's me. And she goes, no. She's all, that's not you. She's all, do you have a brother? She's like, is that your brother? You know, how many brothers do you have? You know, she's like totally just really interested in this guy, not me. You know, I was like almost jealous of a picture of myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I had a dream about him. You know, and, and instead I had a little flash of that out-of-body experience I had where I'd seen, you know, the woman I would have a child with. And she's like saying almost the same thing. I had a dream about him. I want to meet him. And I'm like, that's me. That's a picture of me, you know? And uh, it was shortly after that, I remember we were in my room and it just moved in there. It didn't have a bed frame and I had like a mattress on the floor. And we both look up and there's somebody standing over our bed looking down on us. And I mean, mm. leaning over the bed, looking down on us, you can see, you know, the head, the shoulders, and both of us jumped and it boop, disappeared that quick. 
you know, it was almost like a f- movement, you know, just it was gone. Did you see that? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. So she said, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, the person that lived in that house that was murdered was stabbed to death. Uh, while I lived in that house, I ended up almost being stabbed to death. I got stabbed eight times and uh, bad. I mean, bad news. It was attempted murder. You know, I got a, a my nipples cut in half. I got a groove on my rib all the way over to here. You know, could have cut my heart in half. It was, you know, so these things, uh, yeah, so I'd had enough of this town. And uh, <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, there my was, God. Uh, so I, I'm a musician. Did you, can I ask a question? Yes. Did yes. you get your damage deposit back from no. nearly getting murdered? No. no. Of course not. Landlords no. are all evil. No, I lost my job because of that, because I wasn't able to work. I wasn't able to pay rent, and they tried to sue me for back rent. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a musician, and, I, you know, I played in a lot of local bands there, you know, Metalhead. And I had a friend of mine's band, just people I knew in the city, about, you know, 300 miles away. And I decided I knew they were having bass player problems. So, I'm, you know, to tell my, my girlfriend, uh, let's, let's move there, you know, and see if we can get close. I kept telling people I want to get close to this band in case they need somebody to fill in. You know, I can be there. You know, I want to move close to them. So, you know, we don't have much money, you know, a couple hundred dollars and load up the van and my equipment. And we moved to, you know, this really crappy part of the city. You know, those weekly rentals. And uh, she gets a job on the far side of the city. You know, it takes like an hour to get to, an hour to get back. Within days, she meets a co-worker at this place. Well, their roommate just moved out, so we can move in with them and get out of this crappy hotel, you know. Well, okay. Well, it happens to be right across the street from the band I wanted to play with. And we're talking about a city with millions of people in it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so it begins the synchronicities start happening. And I mean, they're everywhere and they're massive. And yeah, it's just totally bizarre. I can't walk into a liquor store without running into people I know from another state. The oh, people wow. we moved in with, they came from another state, but he they moved there because of a job and their buddy from another state is actually the boss of one of the people in the band and it goes oh, on wow. and on and on these synchronicities are just crazy where other people are looking at me going what's going on with you man you know this that they even said it's that mm-hmm. seven degrees of kevin bacon thing you know <laughs> yeah or six degrees uh, of kevin bacon thing is going on you know it's yeah so um so now we start getting into the stuff I don't know if I can talk about. Um, I'll kind of, I'll just touch on this one. I'm not going to go into much details, but this happened while we were living in, in that city. That uh, she ended up getting pregnant. We ended up going to a, an abortion clinic, and 
I know people have all heard this story before where they hear a hum above their house, step outside Mm -hmm. to see a UFO kind of thing. That happened Mm -hmm. at this abortion clinic while waiting in the waiting Mm -hmm. room. And like I said, I don't want to go into the details, but there was synchronicities going on there and it was obvious other people in there were hearing it too. And we'll just leave it at that because it's just where it happened is I, I think what I want people to know. And the fact I'm using not my real name here is I could talk a little more about some of this stuff, but yeah, you know, that's a, that's kind of a, yeah, it was a big thing. And it was really strange. It was really wrong and really weird, but it happened. So they ended up keeping their bass player. And I moved back to this town about 300 miles away and uh, started another band. The drummer that I had just met is a new guy in town. We start talking and, uh, he lived in the same apartments I lived in the city at the same exact time, 300 miles away, right across the street from that band I wanted to play with. He was living there. He'd never lived in the town he had just moved to and joined my band. But the synchronicities were huge. You know, you see what I'm saying? It's wild. And that brings me to what I call the big one. And, uh, yeah. So one morning I wake up and I remember waking up. I was late for work, like 20 minutes late. And I jump up, run in the bathroom to get dressed. And I got some kind of like jelly on my genitals, like a clear viscous jelly. It it reminded me of like uh, hair gel or something. And I was mm-hmm. late for work at this time. This is my wife and my girlfriend had become my wife. And I remember thinking, I'm going to have to ask my wife about that later. You know, she's still asleep. I can't, you know, that drummer that I had the synchronicity with was passed out on the couch. You know, I just let him sleep and I had to work. And, uh, I remember like, using the restroom about an hour later and that was all gone there was no residue there was no stickiness there was no nothing it was just gone there was a lot of it and so i go to work and i do my thing and and uh it was after work and uh, me and my wife were driving across town after work and i remember it was like rush hour traffic five o'clock and i'm going through like one of the busiest intersections in town and she goes, that was a weird noise in our room last night. And as soon as she says that, it's just like, oh, man, I get hit in the head with all these memories. And I skidded the car off the road into like a gas station parking lot and skidded to a stop and just shook and cried for like 20 minutes. And all I could say was, they took me, they took me, they took me as all these memories were just flooding in and I kept thinking them through, you know, until I finally calmed down enough that I could kind of tell her what happened. And she was just quiet the whole time. But all she said was, that's a weird noise in our room last night, wasn't it? 
So these are the memories that came back. The first thing I remember was laying in bed, and we had a mirrored ceiling. And I had all those little one-foot square mirrors, you know. And I was laying in bed, and I'm looking up, kind of above my feet, up in the mirror, I see this red, like red dot. And at first I'm thinking, you know, it's like a red dot from an alarm clock or a VCR or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then it's like, it's like a laser pointer, but without mm -hmm. the laser. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, where in the hell is that coming from? You know, and I kind of sit up and I look down at the floor by the feet of the bed because if it's reflecting, that's where it's coming from down there. And there's nothing on the floor down there. And I look back up and then I'm looking behind me at our curtains and our windows and everything. So we had windows mm -hmm. running all around the room. All the, all the blinds were pulled. There's no light coming in from outside the windows. And I keep looking at it. And I'm, Where the hell is that coming from? You know, and this goes on yeah. for a couple minutes. And then I just kind of sit there and stare at it. And all of a sudden it's like, I can see where it's, it's coming from. And it looks like it's coming from about four inches inside the mirror, like behind the mirror. But if that's right, it should be four inches below the mirror reflecting it. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? It's this, 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 mm -hmm. and I'm looking at it and all of a sudden it's like, I could almost see something behind it. And it reminded me of like a mic stand or a, a drum stand, but black or something. There was something, but I couldn't quite make it out. It's just this red laser pointer without the laser. And I can almost see something behind it. And I, I look around one more time and I look at the windows and the floor. And then I look up and it's gone. And I'm all, mm. huh? And then I lay down and went to sleep, you know, instantly, you know, <laughs> that weirdly, just weirdly went to sleep when yeah. I was super curious about what that was and then just went to sleep. Now my, after that, it's walking down a short black hallway. Now this part, I sent you a couple drawings of this mm -hmm. part and it's a short black hallway and it's really short like height wise, just barely above my head. And it's kind of narrow. There's people behind me or something behind me, a couple somethings or people behind me. And at the, it goes in about 10 feet and takes a right turn into an even darker room. And I make that turn into the room and there's like three or four people in there already. And I go up and almost bump up against them. And the, those people behind me bump up against me. And we all kind of crowd together, bumping up against each other as we're kind of like shuffling to fit. It's a really small, small, dark mm -hmm. room. And we're bumping. I'm bumping into their backs and they're bumping into my back and my shoulders. And we're all, you know, the heads are kind of moving like this as we're shuffling. And all of a sudden everything goes, it freezes. And it's just, it's like, I don't know like having sleep paralysis during an already out of body experience or something, you know, mm -hmm. is the best way right. I can describe it now at the time. I don't know, but everything froze all movement ceased. And it stayed like that for about 10 minutes, just frozen. Then all of a sudden everything started moving again. And we filed back out the doorway, out the hallway. 
and I'm stepping out into the desert at night. And I'm walking a couple feet, and they're behind me. I can't quite see them, but I know there's three or four people behind me. And I look back out of what I came out of, and it's like a 10 or 15-foot square black box with a door in one corner and that little hallway that goes down and turns into the... But it's a square black box. I look over, and this valley goes down. It's like a big valley. It goes down, and it goes back up. But going down the valley, there's like two more of these black boxes with people coming out of them. Almost like exactly what's going on with me is going on with Mm -hmm. a couple other people down there. And there's the valley goes down, and then it goes back up to this really like distinct rocky ridge. And there's and there's two disc UFOs above that rocky ridge. And I gotta say it's about a half a mile from where I am down the valley up the other side of this rocky ridge and, and there's two discs sitting there. And the disc on the left is higher than the one on the right. And I'm like looking around. I, I can never see who's behind me, but they're there. And uh, it was like they wanted you to watch, you know, it's like a show being put on and you're there to watch it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden these two discs, they shine a light down and you can see the light go. It wasn't like it just came on. It's like it went down like that and a light gets reflected back up. Now I should add that I could tell there was a city on the other side of that rocky ridge. You know how city will glow, you Mm -hmm. know, up into the sky, even though you can't see Mm -hmm. the city. I knew there was a city over there, but the light reflects back up. And what it shows up in the sky is a dead elephant laying on its side. And I just knew it was dead. But it was the weirdest light I had ever seen before. It almost looked like it was like neon light, the way the lines of the elephant were drawn in like a neon. But it was a color I had never seen before. It was a weird like greenish, orangish, bluish, whitish. I don't – there was – it was just a color I'd never seen before. And I said, what kind of light is that? You know, it's just – and this voice behind me, on my left side, speaks behind me and says, it's symbiont. And I'm thinking, okay, this, it must be like ambient light. You know, I'm just, I didn't understand what symbiont was, or at least didn't think I did. I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm watching this, you know, dead elephant, two UFOs, you know, what the hell? And all of a sudden, I feel that blanket of fear behind me. And I look behind me, and here comes this pulsing red ball across the desert just it's going boom 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 like that pulsing like almost down to blackness and then bright red down to blackness Mm -hmm. and bright red now each time it got at its brightest it was shooting like lightning off the bottom at its brightest but the lightning was square like it had square edges to it you know, and it would, some would drip off the bottom of it and it comes and it was the scariest damn thing. I mean, the fear that was emanating from this thing, it was like anger, like it was angry and it was murderously mad. 
and it comes right over the top of me. And I remember cowering down. I like when almost went into a fetal position when it passed over me. I was like, Oh my God, you know, and it goes over and it parks itself right above the two UFOs. And it's just sitting there pulsing pissed off. And it shoots its own light down at the two UFOs and the whole thing flashes white and disappears. The two UFOs and the dead elephant. And that thing's sitting on that rocky ridge there, just pulsing by itself. And then it starts moving back towards me again. And it's same thing, man. The closer it got, the more scared I got. I cowered underneath it again as it passed. And I look back and it starts picking up speed faster, 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 like doubling in speed every second until when it goes over the horizon, it looks like a, like a meteorite going down behind the horizon. But when it drops behind the horizon, there's a flash of light and a wall of flames comes back from horizon to horizon, like the earth burning in a wall of flame, you know, almost like it turned into like a dinosaur destroying meteorite, you know, it's, yeah. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, everything, everything kind of mellows out and goes dark. We're still in the desert, and a, and a voice says, "Would you like to meet your son?" And at this point, my wife is about about five months pregnant, and uh, I said, "Yeah, you know." And and the gist was my unborn son, you know. It, and I was like, yeah, I'd like to meet him. It was like almost like everything that just happened didn't happen. You know, now we're on mm -hmm. to something else. And I said, yeah, I'd like to meet my son, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, it's, we're someplace else. But that tree is kind of still there in the desert. And there's a door all of a sudden there. And out steps like an eight-foot praying mantis in a brown robe. And it's bipedal, you know, it couldn't see its feet because the robe go all the way to the ground, but it's like a monk's robe with the really long around the, mm -hmm. the wrists and, and it's holding something and it's about 20, 25 feet away and it steps over to the tree and it holds its arms up like this to the tree. And there's this blur of movement as something runs through the branches of the tree super fast out of his arms and jumps out the other side and it's going like jumping towards me but it's going over my head it's gonna miss me so i turn around and catch him almost like a football when somebody throws a football over your head you yeah know? And i turn around and catch him and i was like oh my god i didn't think i was gonna catch you and i look down at this face and he goes i didn't think i was gonna catch you and i'm looking down at first I noticed I didn't catch him. He's outside my arms. His hands have got me by the arms and his feet have got me like that. Both of his feet are like hands and he's outside my arms and I got my hands like this, like I'm like I'm holding him, but he's outside my hands. I look into the face and there's two big old black eyes. First thing I notice like wet, man, you see those black eyes and they're just they're wet you know mm -hmm. but it's not like a gray it's like a round face with a really wide mouth and he like started to smile at me 
the, the corners of his mouth turned up and his eyes even narrowed as he smiled. It was like a, a mischievous grin, you know, like I didn't think I was going to catch you and then started smiling and then fear started to kick in and everything, that foggy white light, like everything starts turning white and his face starts disappearing into that foggy white light, right? Then the, the white kind of disappears again and I'm walking into a round room and about 20 foot circle round room. It looks like black marble glass ceiling and floor. I know it wasn't marble, but it kind of had the weird lines in it that mm-hmm. and the wall that went all the way around was made of that. It looked like cloud. It was like that fog. You could almost see it kind of moving a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm walking, we're walking to the center of that room and kind of stand there for about 20, 30 seconds. Then all of a sudden there's like a blur of movement. <laughs> there's a praying mantis, you know, and his head's way up here, you know, looking down on me and it starts talking to me. See like the mandibles moving, but I can't understand a damn word it's saying. And it's talking to me and talking to me and it feels super important whatever it's saying you know but i i don't understand but i'm just standing like you're just in a daze it's just happening and you're just there you know it's there was no like emotion on my part it was just it's telling me something super important for later or something but at the very end it says one thing that i remembered it says a storm is coming and it won't go away for a long time. That's what it said. And then everything fades out that white again. It's like its face disappears into that foggy light. It's like a, it's like a lit up fog and you're just turning the brightness up, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it, it fades out and then it, and then bang, we're in another scene where I'm in like a dark room again. And there's a woman on her knees in front of me with long, straight black hair, like really long hair, bent over naked. And all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like a wet dream. You know, I'm just, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's just, it's a wet dream. We begin having intercourse. And somewhere along the way, I started like guessing, well, second guessing what was happening or something. And I like looked down and something wasn't right about the hip placement and something just seemed off, you know, it didn't seem where the bones should be poking out. didn't seem right. And I kind of looked down the side and like where the fold of your arm is here that in the fold Mm -hmm. of the knees just seemed a little flatter than they should be. And she's like on her knees. If you sat on your knees and went face down on the floor like that, right? We're real tied up. So I start looking around at the face. I try to look peek around the side at the face, and I'm I'm like, what is this? And I look around the other side, and she's turning her head so I can't see, you know. And I start getting scared, and I try to stop what's happening, and I can't. Mm -hmm. And I just keep going you know what i mean and i'm mm-hmm. at this point i'm starting to freak the fuck out and i'm just i if i could 
I don't know if I tried to scream, but I, I don't want this to be happening. I want to stop. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. Stop, stop, stop. And it wouldn't stop until I finished. And then I backed off and I was like, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I was like, I hope nobody finds out about this. I said that out loud. And this voice behind me, behind my left shoulder says, only you, me, and one other is what they said. Of course, be more than that now, but. (laughs) um, Well, yeah. And that's, yeah. And then the next thing I know, I'm above my bed, but beside it being put down into my bed, back into my bed, right? And interesting note here is I've had a lot of -of out-of-body experiences, you know, a lot of astral Mm -hmm. travel. And that is the spot I usually find myself when I come out of my body is floating Mm -hmm. right there off the side of the bed a few feet and and up Mm -hmm. and snap back into my – it's the same. But this is hands on you putting you back in. This isn't me just floating back into my bed, but it is there. The similarity can't be denied, you know. But I'm being put back into my bed, and instantly I sit up. As soon as they set me back down, I sit up, and right next to my bed, about two feet away, right where the crib is we've put in our bed for our son that hasn't been born yet, right above the crib is a noise going, wom, 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 wom. And you can almost feel it more than you can hear it. It's like going through your body. It's just wom, 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 like that. And I'm like, what the? And I, my wife is laying next to me facing the other way and I grab her by her shoulder and I shake her and I'm all, do you hear that? Mom, what the hell is that noise? And she's not even responding, you know, and I look back over and I can't quite see that spot. The room is dark, but it ain't that dark. It's like a black spot right there. There's just nothing to be seen right there. I could see the kind of the crib and stuff, but there's just a big black spot above it where that noise is coming from. So I I reach back over and I grab her and I shake her even harder and I grab her by her shoulder and I roll her over onto her back and she's stiff as a board. Her whole body, like her feet roll up when I pull her over, her whole body is stiff as like a rock and she's got her hands plastered to her face and she's just saying over and over again, don't look at it and it'll go away. Don't look at it and it'll go away. Don't look at it and it'll go away. That's what she was saying. I let go of her shoulder and she springs back over with her face almost in the pillow. And that's all she would say. So I look back over at that spot and it starts moving. And that's, it goes around the foot of the bed. That wom, wom, wom starts moving around the foot of the bed. It goes out our bedroom door into the bathroom that was right there through the bathroom window and then starts going away upwards at like a 45 degree angle. Warm, warm, and just disappears. And then I go to sleep. And that's when I wake up with that crap on my junk and late for work. And, and she, now she don't remember me trying to wake her up. She don't remember saying, don't look at it and it'll go away. She don't remember any of that. But she remembers hearing it. And she remembers something about me reacting to it. So that's why she'd said that on the way home. That was a weird noise in her room last night. And the guy on the couch, the guy with the synchronicities, 
had a dream. He, he told me he had a dream that there was a manis in the house, a giant praying manis. And it was a nightmare. It was just a bad dream. That's what he told me. Oh, God. And so at this point, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, tough dude. You know, I, I'm no stranger to violence. I'm no, you know, being a musician, I create mosh pits for a living. I don't, I don't shy away from violence. I don't, you know, I don't back down from nobody, but that ontological shock thing sets in over the course of the next six months. And I become a terrified two-year-old, you know, and I start resorting to alcohol. And I mean, big time, if I can just pass out, I'm not scared. Right. You know, and I do, I start drinking enough to straight up pass out every night. And, you know, we all know how that turns out. So, so I end up getting a, a tab at a liquor store. <laughs> My favorite bill, I used to call it. I'd pay that every payday, first thing, at the liquor store tab. The guy that works there, he starts talking about seeing UFOs, you know, when he goes out for a cigarette break behind the liquor store over the mountain. And then he starts talking about a guy he knows that, uh, a UFO investigator and has a, you know, an abductee group, you know, support group here in town. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I think I want to meet that guy, you know? And, uh, so I meet this guy and, uh, this guy tells me, uh, he was one of the original remote viewers for the government back in the day, seventies, you know, early eighties. And uh, he'd met and hung out with Robert Monroe. You know, he was a lifelong experiencer. And, uh, you know, I tell him my stories. And uh, he was kind of a paranoid dude, you know. I feel government on you, you know. I thought I was like a government agent or something. But <laughs> one of his buddies, you know, that carries the box of implants around, you know. I think the guys, I think they've both since passed on, but... I finally, you know, I keep talking to this guy and he's really in the know. And you know, I'm like, well, why in the hell did you move here? You know, everywhere, you know, I expect you to be like in New York City or California. He goes, I'm looking for that underground base, you know, the new Area 51. You know, it's a, those deep underground military bases. And I told him, well, uh, I was getting a tattoo the other day. And coincidentally enough, the tattoo artist told me he knows where that's at. You know, I just happened to hear, overhear a conversation two days ago of somebody saying they like to go sit up on the mountains way out in the middle of nowhere and overlook where they're building it because they see strange lights in the sky. But uh, I'll, I'll go see if I can find out where, you know. And I'm all, what makes you think it's here anyway? You know, and he tells me about all the native legends, you know, the native legends about the underground tunnels around here and cave systems and, and, uh, you know, the natives say uh, that a light comes down. He points right at that mountain where that shooting star bounced down the mountain. And he follows it almost to a T with his finger and goes, they say the UFOs come down and turn and go into the side of that mountain. And he points his finger right at that valley down. I mean, right where I'd seen that. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, okay. 
so I go get the directions from this tattoo guy and take him out there. So it's way out. I'm uncomfortable with all that because, you know, leave the damn military alone, you know, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. I'm yeah. like, if, if you can find that 10 foot fence, fine. That's as far as I'm going, you know, I'll turn around and leave. You found it. Yep. Whatever. Yep. I did and, my uh, part. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> so we go out there and don't find it, of course, and uh, go home. I get a call about a week later and he says, uh, found it. You know, we were close, but we just took a wrong road and we found it. And he goes, and I get a call a couple weeks after that, you know, and at this point, I'm, I don't know. I just, that makes me nervous. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to mess with none of that. And, uh, I get a call a few weeks later and he goes, yeah, or like a month later and he goes, yeah, it's, uh, got this retired rich guy out of like Australia. He's just bought some property overlooking that area and you know, or something like that. I'm like, oh, you know, okay, cool. You know, right on. And I never hear from him again. It was a couple weeks after that. No, I was listening to Coast to Coast AM. And Art Bell says, you know, next week we're going to have on this guy's building, you know, just bought some property overlooking the new Area 51 along the border of these two states here. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, no way. This guy told me he didn't trust Art Bell. That, you know, it's he was too paranoid for that. I'm like, that's kind of too weird. Never heard from him again. I mean, not a peep since. And uh, where I used to go meet him on his office by Main, on Main Street, this is this is a small city. It's not really a town. His office is vacant. It's gone. You know, I, and about a year later, I was cruising back down the, through that area of town. I look over and there's a new ta- tattoo shop there in that office and guess who's Mm. just opened a business in there's that tattoo artist that told me about where that you know another synchronicity these synchronicities start happening all over and yeah so i was at a party one night and drinking a lot and i was telling my story to somebody and uh I had a friend, a non-believer, just laughed in my face. I mean, pointed his finger in my face and says, you lying sack. He's like, you're so full of it. And that didn't happen. And just laughed out loud. You just really bad. Made me feel really bad, you know. And uh, I remember going home, just totally bummed about that. You know, like I just really made me feel pretty small. A couple days later, I get a phone call from that guy and he tells me something happened to him out in the middle of nowhere and he seen something in the sky and it chased him out of the middle of nowhere back into town him and a group of people and he's crying that same guy that laughed in my face right and he wants to talk to me so me and my wife get in the van and we drive down there and he's shaking and crying I mean, he's just apologizing to me, and he tells me this just horrible story about, you know, it's somebody that doesn't believe like that, has an mm-hmm. experience like that, you know, really, really shook him up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, know, I, I yeah, that's comforted a, that's him, a complete... and I, you know, it's it was it was pretty bad yeah, on him. A, yeah, it's a complete shift of understanding of the world, mm-hmm. and that's hard on people. I remember he'd called me kind of early in the day too, and 
we didn't have time to eat breakfast or nothing. You know, I went right down there and talked to him, sat with him and kind of talked him through it and just told him, I don't know, man, you know, just weird shit happens. And, uh, I remember it was, it was like, like one thirty, and I'm like, man, you know, we haven't eaten breakfast yet. We haven't eaten lunch. We're hungry. You know, we got to go, you know, it's one thirty. you know, cause I was watching the clock, man. I was, you know, cause I knew it was, I was hungry. Yeah. So we leave there and we drive home about 15 minutes. We get home and it's 3.30 or like 3.40 or something. And oh, we're no. like, I tell my wife, I'm like, what the hell? You know, I was like, that's, that's weird. You know, and we're like, huh. You know, so we go in there and I remember making toast and butter. Made toast and butter to have something to snack on because we're hungry. Come back in to sit down and look up and it's like 4.15. And I'm like, you know, what the hell, pointing at the clock going, what the hell's going on here? Mm. And we start talking, you know, and it was like, eat the toast. And I'm like, well, you know, we got to eat more than just toast. You know, we cook something and look back at the clock. It's like 4.45. You know, it's just, it keeps doing this until a friend of mine showed up about 5.30. And all of a sudden it was like time came to a stop. I kept looking at the clock, expecting it to still be going fast, you know, and it was just normal time again I, I don't know what what that is or why that is or what it was or why it happened but that's what happened so so yeah i'm total raging alcoholic at the, by this point a couple years goes by wife becomes pregnant again oh yeah i need to go back and add after that abduction type experience or contact experience, whatever it was, the big one, I'd be laying in bed and I'd get those shocks and vibrations. You know, a lot of people talk about that invitation to go out of body or whatever the heck it is, but I'd hear a clicking noise. I don't know if you can hear this like that mm-hmm. in my head. I'd hear that and it was like getting electrocuted just my whole body would lock up and shake. It was like electricity running through my body and it would take about 10 seconds and it would go away. And about a minute later, click again like that. That went on for about two weeks. It slowly went away, but it lasted about two weeks every single night. And a couple of years later, that started happening again. And we were living in a different house and, and she was, well, I think we just had our second child and that was happening again. And I was like catching flashes of light, like lightning going off in the room with you. You know, there'd be a white yeah. flash or I'd wake up in the middle of the night to like open my eyes and the whole room would be lit up white and then just close my yeah. eyes and go back to sleep. And I was fighting it. It felt like we're here. Do you want to remember? We're here. Do you want to come out and play? You know? And I was like, nah, no, 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 this ain't happening. You know, reach for the bottle of vodka. And so when this is happening, one day I go to work and it's right in the middle of the, all this happening. And it's one of those days it's, it's just dark, you know, it was overcast and kind of rainy, but there was a darkness to the whole day. You know, I was a delivery driver and had to drive long ways and back. But the whole day just had this weird, eerie, dark vibe to it. Right. And, and I get home and 
this is this is I think one of the only stories that isn't mine. This is my wife's, but it's connected. I get home that day, the weirdest day I'd had in a long time, and I'm thinking a lot about what's been going on at night. These flashes and the, and I know they're they're around. And she tells me these two black-eyed kids knock on the door while I was at work. Oh no! And yeah, the hoods, the black eyes, the whole, and they want to, they want to use the phone to call their dad. And she, and she would let homeless people into the house. I kid you not. She'd let anybody into the house. She's just one of those people. And she goes, these kids scared the crap out of me. And, and I just told them no. And I shut the door. Good for her. You know? Yeah. And she said she peeked out the window and she watched them cross the street and walk down the, she expected him to go to the next house and knock and ask to use the phone, but they didn't, they just walked off. Uh huh. But that always felt like a reflection of me denying this interaction mm-hmm. that was trying to happen at night and I'm denying it, you know, no, mm-hmm. you know, leave me alone. You know, you, you terrify me. I don't want, you know, even though th- that contact experience, nothing, Oh, only one terrifying thing happened, but really wasn't That's that enough. scary. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, there's all the psychic stuff, you know, the precognitive dreams, the knowing things are going to happen before they happen. I mean, all this is really thick, you know, in my life. Yeah. Especially, yeah, the precognitive dreams, dreaming about a, a video poker machine at a casino that I'm going to win a lot of money at. Driving four hours to that machine, winning a couple thousand, and just driving home the next day because I knew, you know, and that's right. I remember driving down the interstate one day, and there's a sign flashing accident at two miles ahead. And I'm like, there's a plane in the middle of the road. <laughs> Instantly, just knew there was a plane. And sure enough, drive up the road, there's a small plane right between the interstate lanes. You know, state patrolman there, guy scratching his head. Nobody was hurt, but well, it's that's just, good. That that's happening a lot during all this, you know. Right. So it reaches a point where I just can't take the fear no more. You know, I just I cannot do this no more. And something that investigator guy told me was, he goes, you know, sometimes people when they can't take it no more, they just call them dreams. And it kind of goes away. You know, you just kind of forget about it and then it goes away. So that's what I did when people wanted to talk about it. I, I told them, well, I had this dream one time about this praying mantis. Or I had this dream one time about, you know, that I was flying. You know, I had, and I started calling them dreams and it just all went away. And I kid you not, for like 15 years, you know, we're, we're talking, from like 30 to 45, nothing. I mean, no precognitive dreams, no, just no nothing. And I just kind of forgot. I don't know. I'd think about it every now and then, but I'd just, I'd shut it out, you know? And it just, the fear went away. You know, I kind of cut down on drinking a little bit, not enough, but a couple things happened during that time, but one was, was in another state. There was a squirrel in the tree in the backyard. 
And I'm like, I think I'm going to feed that squirrel a piece of bread. So I go in the house and I get a piece of bread and I walk outside and I walk up to the squirrel and I'm starting to reach my hand out to him and we lock eyes and I see those little black wet eyes <laughs> mm. and I froze about a foot away from him and I couldn't reach my hand out to give him the bread. And I was like, mm -hmm. my heart started going like racing and I'm looking at him and his little heart's racing, you know, he's kind of almost upside down on the tree, how they hang onto the side. But I looked into his eyes and I, I just absolutely froze and I dropped the piece of bread on the ground and went back in the house. And that was, it felt like, like a reminder, almost like a mm -hmm. hello. You know, we're, and that was about halfway through that 15 years, I think. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, we'll get into the, the last of it here. Um, this, this is, gets really difficult now. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about what happened for about two years here. I'll say about 45, 46. Um, I'll say that I managed to piss off the wrong group of people, a very dark group of people. And uh, that naivety, you know, you never know who you're messing with and, you know, you don't scare me, whatever. Well, let's just say I ended up with uh, some attachments on me. And some things happened that, made me think about everything that happened in my life. Now, after this 15 years, even before when, when the contact experiences happened, I never thought about all the stuff back to my childhood. You know, I never thought about them all together. I never mm -hmm. thought about the shadows in broad daylight. I never thought about, but some things happened at this point that made me think about all of it. There was similarities and what these people did to me that I had no choice but to kind of reflect on everything and everything started happening and when I say everything I mean everything started happening to me and it was like reverse synchronicities where people are pushed away from you instead of towards you mm -hmm. the synchronicities were this was everybody getting pushed away to where you're alone, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. I started living in my vehicle out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, maybe off air. Well, I'll talk about that to you and maybe some other day we'll have a conversation, but I don't think I know how to talk about what happened for those couple of years. I mean, I, I loathe to say some kind of shamanic initiation that I didn't understand was happening was happening because I'm no shaman, you know, I'm, I'm far from that. Um, I will say when that happened, I remember going out in the, out in the middle of nowhere and just screaming and crying at the sky when everything was, I was mem remembering everything. And I was like, screaming at the sky is that all you got i was like i want to know when i said we're not supposed to know when i was a kid and i always felt that when i told people that my whole life we're not supposed to know you what happens to us after we die i said i want to know and i'm not afraid anymore i don't care i was almost suicidal i was like do your worst 
you know, is this all yeah. you got, you know, and that's careful what you ask for. Um, so what ends up happening is, you know, I, I divorced my ex-wife. I'm remarried now. And we're talking a couple of just a few years ago, four years ago. My uh, wife's son dies in a car accident. And oh, no. the night he died, me and her were walking down the river. And I look up and I see those two discs that were above the dead elephant. I see them again, but they're, they're much further off. But I see him just sitting above this mountain. And I keep looking at it. And I always point stuff out to her, you know. You know, she, she's part of this, my life, you know. And she sees me keep looking up in the sky. And she, she asks me, what are you looking at? It's something tells me, don't tell her. And I, I told her, I don't know what I'm looking at. But I knew it was those two discs. And I'm not... I'm not making any connections at all to, to death or nothing, but, and I'm watching them for like 40, 45 minutes, these two discs sitting there and I'm watching clouds pass over them and buy them until finally this little ball of light rises up from the ground and goes inside one of them. And they both float up into the clouds and disappear. And I'm instantly, I'm like, we got to go home, you know? So we didn't have a vehicle at the time. I called my son for a ride. And I remember even checking my phone and it was 1030 at night because I was thinking, I wonder if it's too late to call him, you know, but uh, we need to get off the streets, you know, we can't, you know, something's going on here. I just, I'm not comfortable. Well, the next morning she gets the phone call that, you know, her son had passed in a, a car accident the night before. He, he's only like 22. And we're talking super tragic here. Just one of the nicest kids ever. Um, but of course, you know, once, once I find that out, I can't help but think, you know, of the dead elephant. Um, yeah. I still got the newspaper clipping of that dead elephant. <laughs> I, I I told told my buddy about the discs over the dead elephant, and it was about day after that happened. It was like the next day, and he slid a newspaper to me. I'm flashing back here for a second, and he goes, "Read this," and I looked at the newspaper clip. Clipping, and it was about a circus elephant that died in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in a hot trailer from dehydration in a hotel parking lot because the people that were circus people were drunk for a couple of days, forgot about it. Oh. That was August of 97. That was the same night I seen the dead elephant out in the desert. You know, I've since 
just like within the last couple of years, Googled mountains outside of Albuquerque, and there's the Sandia Mountains there, which is the mountains I was on the other side of. You know, real distinct looking hill. Um, the direction where we, from where we were standing, that have we seen those two discs, in, or I seen the two discs in the sky, and the light rise up to them, was perfectly in the direction of where his car accident was in. If he drew a line between me and those discs and kept going, he would, yeah, died in that direction. Um, so, yeah, I can't help but make, you know, that connection. Almost don't want to see discs in the sky. You know what I mean? When I, when I step outside, I don't want to see discs. Yeah. Um, So about two days, three days later, we were at my mom's house in the backyard. And over the fence from the neighbor's house, you start hearing music. And it sounds like, it's like nursery rhyme music coming from uh, like a toy organ or a calliope or some kind of, Yeah. It sounds like ice cream truck. You know, mm -hmm. but it sounds live, yeah. like somebody's actually playing it on the other side of the fence over by the house, or it's coming from that house. And we're like, what the hell is that? You know, we walk over there and I look over the fence, and it's it's not quite coming from that house, like where one of the windows or doors would be. It's like off to the side and kind of up high. It's like coming out of thin air from the side of the house. There's just not coming from the window or door anyway. And we're like, wow, and we go sit back down and we're listening to it. And it's, it's like nursery rhymes, but we can't place the names of them like obscure nursery. It's just has that vibe. Well, I'm sitting there and she gets up and she walks back to the fence. It's about 30 feet back to the fence. And as she's walking back to the fence to go look over again, the volume starts dropping lower. And as she's by the fence, it's kind of, you know, I can barely hear it. And as she starts walking back towards me, it gets louder and louder and louder. She passes me and goes in the house, leaves the door open to get like a glass of water or something. And it's really loud while she's in the house. She comes back out, passes me again to go to the back fence, and it, the volume drops again. And it's like somebody... It felt like somebody was watching her and turning the volume up as the further away she got and turning it back down as she got closer to the source of the sound. And she walks past me again, goes in the house and slams the door. And when the door slams, the music stops. And it's, it's like, bam, gone. I ended up asking her, and I was like, did you notice the volume going up and down? She goes, no, it sounded like it was the same volume the whole time. That's what she said. And... Her kids called her Mother Goose. You know, see what I'm saying here? You know, so yeah. she, she really liked the nursery rhymes, you know. It was the kind of thing her and her kids would enjoy, you know. So, about a week later, I'm sitting in that same backyard by myself, and I'm meditating. I never meditate. I just... I don't. It's not my thing. Every now and then, a couple of times a year, I try. 
you know, weird stuff happens almost every time. I just, eh, you know, but I'm, I'm sitting there kind of meditating. And then I get up and I go sit down that same, same spot I was sitting in when the music was happening. I sit down and there's a blur movement comes down on my right, moves in front of me and sits on my left. And it's her son that had just passed away. When he moved in front of me, he like flashed a smile at me. And he sat down. And this is like, for whatever reason, this is like the no, most normal thing to be happening at this moment. And he starts talking to me. And the first thing he says is like three sentences at once. It's like one sentence that has three different meanings. And it's mm -hmm. like, tell them, it's been a long time since I felt this good. Tell them, you tell them it's, uh, I can't remember the last time I felt this good and tell them it was like a third thing, but it was in one sentence. It was kind of confusing, but I got the gist of what he was saying. And then he says, uh, I need you to get my mother to this state is what he tells me. You know, we were living in a different state than we're in now. He says, I need you to take care of my mother a while longer and get her to this state. And, uh, and then he says, <laughs> he says, I have to go. I got things to do, but I'll see you again soon. You know, it was just, I remember it was an odd thing to say. I got things to do. I mean, like, and the, there was like a blur of movement back upwards and he was gone. And I'm sitting there going, holy crap. You know, it's kind of dawning on me what just happened. You know, I'm like, holy crap. And that's when I start feeling this water mist, like hitting my shoulder and back of my neck and my arms, like a mist. And I look up and right above me is a goddamn hole punch in the clouds. And it's like a perfect, like cookie cutter circle. And right in the center of it is a mist spiraling downwards on me. And I was like, you know, st stared at it for a couple seconds and I jumped up and I ran in the house to find a phone so I could take a picture of it. And of course it took me like two minutes to find a phone. The phone's, you know, not turned on. Right. I got to turn the phone. I get back out there. But by then it's over the neighbor's house. You know, it was a good little breeze gone. And I did get some pretty good pictures of it, but it's a little malformed by them. You can see it's a hole punch for sure. And yeah, I can't look at pictures of hole punch clouds the same way again. Yeah. So, pretty much only got like one more. And this this one's really not going to be easy. Um, so, we're sitting by the river again one day. And it's just getting dark. There's a river trail and a pedestrian bridge and a park and there's lights lighting up the whole trail that goes all the way into town. And there's always lots of people, you know, coming and going from town and people on bikes and skateboards and walking dogs and jogging and, you know, all the DUI victims riding their mountain bikes. And well, we're sitting there and there's this huge explosion, boom, and all the lights go out. And it, it, the whole park goes black. 
the whole river trail goes black and instantly this is almost a month after his passing and instantly i said we're supposed to come here tomorrow night that's why the lights went out to make it dark here so we can come here tomorrow night so we can see something in the sky i just said it right then and there and she's like how do you know and i was like i don't know i just i know yeah and this is so ridiculous is the next day and i'm pumped up man i i'm i'm thinking this is uh for me this is just so unhumble of me i think this is about me and i'm thinking like the end of close encounters man that they're gonna show themselves to me i'm gonna see them you know they're gonna present finally after all this time and uh <laughs> we go down there and it starts with a plane circling above us and it sounds like a prop plane and it's circling and it got really cloudy you know and it's like the clouds are getting low and i'm thinking we're not gonna be able to see anything you know i'm wrong but this plane is circling above us real tight little circle and it's getting lower and lower and lower and as it gets so low that we should be able to see it like banked on its wing per, uh, sideways going you know it had to be tilted on mm -hmm. its wing to cut that tight of a circle the wind picks up and it gets super windy like out of nowhere dirt and leaves blowing and and the plane circling and it just got really intense and then all of a sudden that plane takes off in a direction and the wind dies down and <laughs> first thing we notice is like it's like a hole opened up in the clouds like you're on the inside of a giant basketball it perfectly round opens up and these damn disney characters start moving around the inside of that ball from far side towards us around us and it starts going through the movies like 101 dalmatians you know snow white and the seven doors and i mean I'm telling you, I've eaten LSD. I've looked at the clouds and seen stuff in the clouds on LSD. It was not like that. It was not. And it went through like almost the whole catalog of, of Disney. And I started getting upset. At first, I was thinking like, remember back in the day when they show a cartoon before the movie started? Yeah. I thought something yeah. like that was happening, right? And I started almost getting angry because, you know, they're not showing me what I want to see, right? And I'm starting to get mad. And then I look around. I take a moment. And we're standing on that pedestrian bridge. And I look around. And I realize we've been here for over half an hour. And there, not a single person has walked by. This is just after dark. Man, this place is usually a lot of people walk through there. A lot. Right. You know? There's nobody. Yeah. And I look down and we're kind of overlooking the town a bit the, or this side of the city. And I'm looking down and I see no headlights of cars moving. I'm looking and I could see street lights turning from red to green, yellow. I could see the bridge, the main bridge that has just rush hour going across it. Not a single car. There's dead silence, not a sound. 
and it, I look over and I see her looking up at, at what's going on in the sky and she's got like tears in her eyes. You know, she loves what she's seeing. And I felt so like ashamed of myself, you know, at that moment because it wasn't mm-hmm. about me, you know, it was for her. So I go stand back by her again and I look up and at this point we're at, uh, uh, the hell's it Aladdin <laughs> and there's Aladdin there's, there's the genie, you know, rubbing, rubbing the lamp, except when he rubs the lamp, the clouds part and a star pops out of the end of the lamp, starts rising up and He's rubbing the lamp. He opens his eyes, and there's stars, two stars, and one in each eye. He's rubbing the lamp. That little star looks like, you know, it's the clouds moving. The star's sitting still, of course. But then that star becomes the eye of a fetus. That fetus, like, folded up in the womb, and then it grows bigger and bigger, and it turns into a big portrait of her dead son. I mean, plain as day. And she's even saying it. I'm thinking it, but she's, no, she's, she's, it's him, you know? And then, uh, yeah, it, it just held that image for like a minute. And then it just all kind of started dissipating. The clouds just moved away and there was just stars in the sky again. You know, it was, and it stopped. Two people walked by, I looked down, and there was headlights, and it was over. Um, It didn't take long. I did what he said, and I took her to the state we're in now. And, you know, everything changed. Um, All the experiences I have now are just really good ones. They're really kind of fascinating little little things for me, you know, that I can play with almost, you know, it's yeah, little interactions. And the only thing I don't like is the precognitive dreams now is, uh, and th- this is, uh, this is the last one I'm going to say. This happened six months ago. I started seeing almost every day a dead praying mantis. And if there's anybody listening to this that has any interactions with a mantis being, they, they show up everywhere. Like when I had that contact experience, they'd be hanging on my front door, on my front patio, on my shirt. They'd, they just showed up everywhere at that time. It was another synchronicity. Well, about six months ago, I started finding one almost every day, every other day, a dead praying mantis. The third one I knew there's going to be a death in the family. I just knew it. You know, and I was like, you know, I'm thinking, my mom, is it, who is it? You know, it's, that went on for about a week and a half. And, you know, how often do you find a dead praying mantis? Not very often, you know. For about a week and a half, I'd say I found about eight, you know, in a week and a half wow. period. And then we'd gone to a, a company party at this hotel you know, don't, don't drink no more, but it was company party. And, uh, I'd left my wife there. She's going to give one of her grandkids a ride home first. 
you know, they're going to stick around and talk for a few minutes. You know, I'm, I'm going home. They're going to hang out for a few. And then she's got to give her grandson a ride. And then she'll be home. Why well, I, I leave town. I got a good 13-mile drive home. And I'm driving, just leaving this town to go to our town. And there's this light. Uh, sits above a car lot. And it points towards the road. Big, bright, white light. I, I've seen it many, many times. But for some reason, I looked at it this time, and it just, ugh, I didn't like it. You know what I mean? I just seen it, mm-hmm. and it just, it it said something to me that I didn't like. I just didn't like the feel of it, the look of it. The rest of the drive home had that weird, dark, eerie, the whole way. Um, yeah, just that over ugh, feeling. The whole way home, I remember I hit every green light all the way home. I had to slow down for two, but I never came to a stop. I get home, and uh, she calls me wanting to know where I'm at. She's like five minutes behind me. She should have been, you know, a good half an hour, 45 minutes behind me. And she's five minutes behind me. And she's like, what took you so long getting home? I tried calling you. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, somehow I'd lost about 20, 25 minutes coming home. And uh, the dead praying mantises stopped after that. Two to, about two days after that that happened, I have this dream. And in the dream, it's my daughter. And something really, really bad happens to her in the dream. Well, the kind that just makes you go, oh, I want to, you know, get a hold of that person. Yeah. And, and uh, I know what happened to her. I know where it happened. Uh, I know that the police were looking for her and then they can't find her and I'm mad at them and I'm mad at the person that did it. And I'm, you know, and then I wake up, grab my phone and I'm like, send my daughter a message and she lives in another state, you know, and uh, she's fine. Of course. Um, it's just a dream, you know, nothing, nothing happened to my daughter later that afternoon. It was, uh, we get a phone call that a little more distant relative that it happened to, you know, on my wife's side, it wasn't, you know, my, my side, but it was still it's family, you know, and exactly what I dreamed happened and very ugly, still ongoing, you know, this is, you know, they haven't found her and, uh, so now, for the last six months, it's been um, every time I have a damn bad dream, I got to sit with it in the morning and kind of feel it, you know, because yeah. uh, there's a feel to it like that one that it has that kind of astral feel to it, you know, that uh, where there's the things in the room with you, but there's kind of a blackness outside that there's that kind of. That astral yeah. feel, that kind of lower astral feel. Um, yeah, so now, so now I don't like precognitive dreams it's, <laughs> or premonitions or that. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of really quite a bit I left out, believe it or not. But that's me right there. That was, that's a lot. 
That's a lot. And I I wouldn't like precogs if I got them like that either. No, no, that's... Mine are usually things of no consequence, you know. They used to be kind of fun, like knowing what machine to go play when you wake up in the morning, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's all right. That was, that was... That was a lot of stuff. And, and you never, for a long time, you didn't connect the childhood things. No, it wasn't until all. a few years ago. My, my search for answers didn't start until 2019. The end of 2019 was the first time I even Googled praying mantis abduction. And one of the first things I read was about a mantis in a robe. You know? And I, yeah. I remember busting out just bawling, man. It was, I know I, I started to research some stuff back in 97 and I read, you know, Whitley Strieber communion. I read, um, the secret school mm-hmm. you know, Strieber. I read, uh, and I read like Jacobs, you know, and, uh, I think Mac or somebody, and I, I didn't like it. It added to the fear, what I read, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it turned in, I closed books. I am, I have not read a book since, even till this day, I have not read a book on the subject. I just started listening to other experiencers' stories on podcasts. You know, I like yeah. to hear what other people have been through. Yeah. Well, I, David Jacobs books are are horrific. Um I I've never been able to read a whole one. Uh and yeah. And and yours is your story's pretty horrific. That's pretty creepy. I luckily have never dreamed about mantises, so I'm I'm fine with that. I hope I don't start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh it gets real weird real quick. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and everything it always seemed about, you know, souls incoming and outgoing. You know, that's yeah. that's where all the big stuff is at. You know, is is yeah. There we go. That's the actual end. Uh yeah, that's where it stopped and it stopped recording and that's just how it is. And if you listened to this before, it had a screwed up ending because my husband just put the beginning at the end and the beginning. So never mind. Uh, but this is the promised email address for John. If you feel the need to email him, he is at J O H N F R U M 444 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Um, This is a remarkable story, and I hope you enjoyed it and found something to think about.